now. All righty then. Um, what's good, Herschel? Tone. Yo, I'm surviving, man. Just like everybody else out here. <laughs> surviving. Oh, my God. Real talk, man. Out here just trying to survive, right? But, um, hey, man, it's it's good to chat with you on the podcast. Uh, the name of the podcast is Real Talk Beyond the Headlines or just search hashtag RTBTH. Herschel, what are we about, man? Yo, we're about that real talk, man. You know, we like to keep it simple, you know, stick to the brand. We're out here talking about everything that's pertinent to us, shit that's either in our lives, our circles, you know, the successes that we're always building up on um, and, you know, greater things. Obviously, everything right now is coronavirus this, coronavirus that. So, I mean, you know, we can't avoid the conversation, but we're going to get into how the shit has affected us. Uh, And I'm really curious to ask you about like some of the greater like health outcomes that and shit that just we're not seeing. We like to look in the blind spots here on Real Talk Beyond the Headlines. And (laughs) that's what the fuck I want to know, man. So beyond the headlines, kick it off off, or, uh, you know. Yeah. um, So as Herschel said, you know, we're we're pretty chill with the podcast. You know, we just try to cover a lot of topics of interest to ourselves and to the uh, public in general. I just want to say, man, we we are technically a sports podcast. Like that's where we started off, you know. So I just want the ain't no the sports listeners. right now though. So <laughs> I guess we talk about this, you know. That's that's right. what's happening. <laughs> hey, man, it's blood sport out here with this coronavirus. Facts, yo. It's very interesting <laughs> to me though because I think you and I happen to be very uh, ha- have a perfect niche for discussing like this particular. Um, environment right now uh you you with your uh mental health background and me with uh you know the heavy public health background and i mean the public ain't healthy right now you know oh damn that's a that's very interesting okay uh well actually let's go ahead and talk about that background that we have so first of all disclaimer all rtbth listeners just understand that we are not providing any medical or behavioral health suggestions or or insights (laughs) for you as you progress in this two days no need to water it down man we're about to be speaking straight facts <laughs> look yo look, word is bond you can take this shit to the bank i just don't want the APA. Them. i just don't want the apa coming after me man talk about how i was <laughs> coming for your license bro i feel you I, <laughs> I ain't got a license to take but anyway but uh so th- this podcast is uh we're gonna talk about our perspectives uh from the behavioral health pr- viewpoint as it pertains to the pandemic and it, as Herschel said, it's kind of relevant. It's apropos for us specifically because I am a counseling psychology PhD student. I got my undergrad degree in psychology. I got my master's degree in mental health counseling. Uh, I think, you know, I have some good insights. You know, I'm knowledgeable to to, to a certain extent. Uh, and Herschel, what's, what's, what's your background like? Um, I have a master's in public health with a concentration in biostatistics. So I'm definitely coming with some numbers here today. Okay. Um, and I am proud to announce, I think we talked about it a previous pod maybe, but I just got accepted to a, uh, epidemiologist PhD program at Georgia state. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I'm actually going to be studying, um, infectious disease in the intersection with, um, 
other uh, toxic health outcomes, particularly drug overdoses. Um, so right now, I actually work for the CDC on the drug overdose uh, prevention team. Um, I look at all kinds of like morbidity and mortality numbers and shit. And we, yeah. we see how like all kind of syndromic surveillance, like what they're proposing for coronavirus impacts shit. So I'm about cool. to be even more versed in this shit after school. But right now I have a very interesting insight that I right. think we can uh, discuss. Okay, I suppose I should start calling you Young Fellowship now. <laughs> oh yeah, Young Fellow. <laughs> Indeed. All right, so, so I, I want to start off by saying, like, I think for me, the crux of this podcast is the idea that, and you know, I don't, I, I haven't seen specific numbers. I, I suppose it's hard to track behavioral health outcomes right now because the physical health of our nation is of the utmost priority the biomedical health, but I, I, I feel as if there's going to be a mental health pandemic, you know, it's like a delayed response um, to what we're encountering right now. And I mean, this is just what I understand from mental health in general in, in the United States, but uh, th- there's widespread mental health struggles with regard to anxiety and depression. Herschel, do you know what the, uh, second most prevalent killer of people age 18 i think it's age 18 to 24 do you know what it is suicide it's suicide so (laughs) (laughs) that was a guess bro i i should have picked something oh really way off off off. i mean i it was an educated guess i was thinking about it but i should have been like fucking clown accidents you remember a couple years ago, all we had to worry about was clowns in the woods and shit. Now we got coronaviruses, niggas wearing masks. So yeah, that's what I should but, have said. But continue. I mean, the point is that like people before the pandemic were dealing with uh, mental health challenges, and what is the sort of, in my opinion, what is like one of the most common factors of mental health and the sort of disintegration of positive health, which is stress. And the pandemic is hella stressful. So I suppose today we're just trying to chat about like what this might look like for ourselves. You know, I'm coming at this from the individual level and for the nation. And Herschel, you're coming at this from the public health level, you know? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay, so I mean, so Herschel, you know, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a Ph.D. holder yet. But, you know, I I, I do a little research. I do a little Googles and um so the World Health Organization, they created a document where they detail the, the mental health and psychosocial considerations of the pandemic. I think it's important for us who are in the healthcare sort of atmosphere, but also as researchers and to, to be to understand what the, the larger organizations are providing to us. But, you know, some of the main cons- main considerations i've taken I, and i've read it in some detail i actually uh brought this up in in, in my in my class that i'd be teaching i just want to say don't teach undergrads herschel if you can ever <laughs> if you can find a way to get i don't know man i'm curious don't teach undergrads, trying to see what's man. Up. undergrads are much different than they were mm. back in 08 um i think the the mental health talk is about a lot of uncertainty um, mm-hmm. we, we are uncertain about how 
just the pandemic in general is going to affect our mental health. Um, I, but I feel like, you know, as a as a mental health provider, you know, uh, as a training specialist, I feel pretty confident in understanding sources of anxiety, kind of how loneliness and isolation it can exacerbate depression. And I mean, the the outlook isn't good. You know, I'll just share a quote with you from the World Health Organization uh, about considerations for the pandemic, mental health considerations. But, you know, they say minimize watching, reading or listening to news about COVID-19 that causes you to feel anxious or distressed. Seek information only from trusted sources and mainly so that you take practical steps to prepare your plans and protect yourself and loved ones. Uh, Protect yourself and be supportive. Assisting others in time of need can benefit both the person receiving support and the helper. I mean, without saying so much, the World Health Organization appears to be ready for another pandemic. They appear to be prepared and trying to prepare the world for another pandemic in the shape of a mental health wave. Oh, that could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, you're mentioning stress, and uh, one, I want to know, like, have you what what have you been doing that's been stressful, like throughout? Even though you know a lot of people are working from home, and that could be less stress, but yeah. has there been anything in your life that like has turned up in terms of stress? Uh, well, I I, I will say, you know, I think we're going to talk about social isolation and what the mental health ramifications of that is. So I'll start off by saying social isolation is is challenging. Um, but, you know, we'll elaborate on that later. I will say, you know, I had to wake up and go teach on Monday and Thursday, even though class was at 1145. So I didn't had to wake up that early. But then on Tuesday, <laughs> I had I had class. And then Wednesday, and Friday, I, I went to my practicum. All that is done. No practicum teaching and classes online completely. So it's been a weird transition from, you know, waking up, going out going getting out going out the house every day and having like kind of like a weird plate of responsibilities you know it's not like i just wake up and go to work and come back you know i wake up go Mm -hmm. teach go to the office to do research read whatever come back home maybe do a little bit more work on wednesday i gotta i drive all the way to providence which is an hour away or wednesdays and fridays for my practicum so i had like a weird amalgam of responsibilities and all of that just mm-hmm. disappears so it feels like i'm the type of person man you know if, if i have a chance to sleep in i'm going to like there's no waking up early unless i need to so mm-hmm. i've kind of struggled with getting out of bed trying to be productive during the day without just going back to bed you know so <laughs> overall though i feel good like I, I i truly do feel good because i'm working on writing i'm working on reading as nice, a phd nice. student you know, I mean, time is of the essence. So any extra time you can get to hash out your ideas is always beneficial. But what about you, man? Yeah, bro. I started gardening. Oh, I, uh, I put a couple of tomatoes. And, uh, I not yet. Not yet. This is uh, <laughs> it's still not legal here yet, but that right. would be the move. I put a couple tomatoes, a couple uh, orange peppers outside, you know. I mean, I got all this time on my hands, so what am I going to do? And uh, the real big stressor for me has been, um, I mean, going to the grocery store. I like to eat. I've been, like, doing a whole bunch of different meals and cooking stuff. But because of this pandemic, I mean, 
it looks like a war zone every time. I've seen multiple people like damn near get into it over like what the distance of six feet actually looks like. Uh, I mean, people just trip out, man. Um, and I, th- I think tensions are high. Uh, but I think on top of like those stressors, people are also. I mean, because a lot of this, aside from, you know, the many people who have lost their jobs or have, you know, nothing that they can do in all of this free time, that uh, financial like instability, um, I can't I can't imagine. And and we're getting like uh, stimulus packages from the government now and shit. But I don't know that that's enough. I I think the biggest thing that is going to come from this is it's going to change how we just like everyday society decide, okay, are we going to have a base income when, you know, there are instances like a third of the population can't work or cannot work from home, I should say. And I don't know, man. Um, I've been looking at like how other nations have been responding to this uh, pandemic. And like one of the biggest standouts is always the differences in America's healthcare system versus anywhere else. Obviously, China has had it bad and they are most definitely lying about numbers. But I mean, you know, what are you going to do? They're a communist country. They, they're hiding shit. But I've looked into several other countries and um, done a bit more research on like what their healthcare systems look like. And yeah. comparably, they're comparably uh, to a first world country like the United States. Uh, we're fucking up. And it just kind of highlights Ooh. the issues with our fucking healthcare system. Like Denmark, uh, Germany, Taiwan, who has been, you know, knocking this out of the park as best you could. Uh, all have these universal healthcare systems um, and they end up spending, even prior to this pandemic, they would spend significantly less on healthcare. Like it's a known fact that America way overspends on all kinds of stupid shit. And I mean, we're just fucking up trying to keep our uh, insurance, uh, who are essentially the people who end up paying for uh, any of your medical stuff in America. Um, It, cannot be tied to uh, our employer Um, when, like I said, a third of the population is out of work or some shit, or these businesses are not trying to pay uh, health insurance. Because I mean, it is a lot of people, I understand, but the government's not stepping up. You know, we're in some serious trouble. This is not going to get any better. Man, you bring up some good points, man. And I'm actually thinking about public health. Like, public health is, is such a, like, very general uh, subject in the sense that if, if it could be tracked on a large scale, it's mm-hmm. public health. Well, if it can be tracked on a large scale and it's related to human health, you know, I'm yeah. curious. Like, can, can we track like levels of trauma from a public health perspective? Can we track like financial distress? Can we track like insurance distress? Like, are these things that the CDC is going to be looking at? So there are plans. That's a great question. There are plans to you know build more robust surveillance systems. There's there are some things that are already in place. Um, I work for, um, it's, they, they break it into all kinds of different agencies and divisions, all kinds of stupid shit. And everything has a million different acronyms. But um, I work in an injury uh, prevention division or branch, yeah, which is like an overarching thing. They all have kind of vague names. What, what does injury prevention mean? That could go everywhere from, uh, drug overdoses, which I'm in, to suicides, to, you know, you hurt yourself at home, falling off a ladder and all kinds of shit like that. Right. Um, in that, there is also um, 
things that you would categorize as stress monitors uh, in these like syndromic surveillance systems. Um, they track like domestic abuse. They track um, child abuse um, and, and shit like that. But the problem is we as Americans also do not like to share our health information. So it's very difficult to get that information in a timely manner. There's always some kind of roadblocks. And mm -hmm. the tie into um, coronavirus is because people are so fucking panicked. They're like, yo, if somebody has coronavirus, I need to know their address. I need to know where they've been. I need to know all these things about them so that I myself can avoid it and not die. But that's not how your personal information works. Like you, you know, we are, there are politicians and uh, Jared Kushner is one of them. And uh, a lot of healthcare professionals who are also kind of panicked, who are like, yo, we need to know about like this person's past medical history to a very small degree. And it's going to be a battle uh, between invasion of privacy and like whether or not people want to survive. Um, I'll tell you in England, they do have because uh, they, they're not so fucking uptight as Americans. Their um, <laughs> public health information or their health information is more accessible. I won't say it's like super accessible where you could just look people up and be like, oh, you have cancer, you have herpes, mm -hmm. you have this, this, this. But mm -hmm. Americans are very private. It's I mean, it's a different culture uh, and changing culture is one of the most difficult things that a society can do and coronavirus is about to force us to change our culture wow. on on the next level. Wow. Okay, so we I got to I got to sidetrack a little bit. Okay. Um you're you, <laughs> Herschel man, you did this. You're bringing up a lot of concepts related to capitalism, uh social structures, you know, and and the lack thereof in the United States. Yeah. And I don't know, it seems like to me it sounds like we need to have a reckoning. It yeah. sounds like what you're saying, we have, a ha we have to have a reckoning with regard to capitalism. So thinking about insurance, one of the biggest drivers of, um, you know, having a capitalistic insurance system is that people can choose their insurance. They can choose their medical providers and whatnot, but that shit doesn't really hold up in a pandemic. So, so here's the thing. Obama, not even to make the shit wild political, but it is. It's all like everything dealing with our health, our society, our economy, like it all kind of boils down to who the fuck is in charge. Uh, Obama tried to get um, a better system for us. Not a great system. Like it was still going to be broken, but like, what the fuck are you going to do? You can't just re overhaul everything all at once. Um, but with uh, the Affordable Care Act, he set up these marketplaces where people could, like if you didn't have a job or you had a very low paying job or your job didn't provide you with health insurance, like most of American businesses, um, most particularly the large ones who could afford to do it. Anyway, he set up these marketplaces where, okay, I'm not going to force you to you the states because, uh, you know, there's a separation between federal and state. States don't like when the feds tell you what to do, I'm the feds. I'm telling y'all punk ass what to do. Basically, these states were supposed to fund like and provide uh, a competitive place for people to go and shop for health insurance. And then they could afford something or get something affordable and that would meet their needs. States, these blue states, I don't know which is Republican or uh, blue is Republican, right? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Blue is Democrat. Okay, okay, red. All right, these punk ass like southern red states like Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, all of these, they've defunded the shit. So the marketplace is still mad expensive. I would not if if I didn't get uh, health insurance through my fellowship, I would not be able mm -hmm. to afford 
Affordable Care Act here in Georgia. How much are but, they going for? How much is it going for? Um, so it you you end up like filling out a form and you essentially qualify. It puts you in different brackets uh, based on your income, based on your age, because that's uh, correlated to health um, yeah. and a few other things and, and where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, because your zip code is also um, directly associated with, uh, you know, your health. And it shouldn't be like this. We should all just get some shit. But um, I mean, the system's flawed and again, capitalism. But in California, <laughs> where they've decided to invest in people's health, they have a marketplace where like for, you know, just a couple couple bucks a month. Uh, I'm not a Californian, uh, but you can actually go to the, their website and enter in a California zip code basically fill out the form yourself and you can see like oh yeah this shit's rather affordable but if i'm here in georgia it's it's at least a couple hundred dollars more a month for imagine somebody who is already not making that much um it's a deal breaker and then you know you're already you're not healthy but you're not dying so you don't get health uh health health insurance and then you know on top of all of this back to our punk ass pandemic um (laughs) if you're you know able to or, or not able to go to the hospital because you can't afford to have any kind of hospital bills. You can't get tested. You can't get the care that you need. You're you're going to die at home. And it all kind of just is a vicious cycle of our healthcare system. And it's coronavirus is almost a good thing because it's going to kick our ass into gear. But at the same time, I mean, money is the, the overarching thing. Um, but you you've mentioned like just basically a revolution that we need to have. And I had a particular talking point about this shit uh, of just Indeed. like overthrowing capitalism. RTBTH. Yes. Let's go. Uh, oh, I'm going to give it to you. Um, so you'll hear like a lot of people talking about staying ahead of the curve. Right. Um, Indeed. Trying to flatten the curve and shit like that. Obviously, quarantining, you know, social distance, all this and that is staying ahead of the curve. I'm going to give you all some fucking games, some individual game that y'all need. Um, Skid it. The only the best way. And I mean, everybody is not going to have this. It really sucks. But it's health, wealth and education. You know, we got to hustle for this paper. We got to keep ourselves active and healthy. And we've got to like yeah. fucking learn and, and listen to doctors and scientists and people who yeah. are a little smarter than us who have been studying some shit. Um, OK, hold, I'm hold noticing, on. Hold on. So what's up? I see that as two ways. Are you saying in order to make it through? You have to stay healthy, stay wealthy, and stay educated? Or are you saying that is what the nation needs to provide in order for all of us to make it through? Both. And I'm kind of being cutthroat about this, but everybody's not going to make it through. The way that America is going right now, shit is shit is just about to be very tough. I've got grandparents and parents who are in the target demographic is not the right word, but um, who are in, uh, who have a lot of risk factors. I do not want anything to happen to them, but at the same time, I rec- and I'm encouraging them to be more active and try to get healthier um, and like just yeah. move around while they're working from home and shit like that. But at the same time, if you're 60 years old and you've been obese for the past 40 years and eating bad shit and smoking cigarettes, like there's not very much the the American healthcare system can do for you, especially if you're broke. There's they can, they can't do anything. And the other issue with our healthcare system has been like in the past uh, or in the like last twelve months of life for Americans, because again we're so punk ass and, and unhealthy. Um, people will go to the uh, hospital all the time, getting rehospitalized, you know, yeah. multiple times in a month, and they'll end up. Uh, statistically, the United States has one of the highest 
uh, mean per capita spending in the last 12 years of life or 12 months of life. And uh, they also have the the most in the last three years of life. Um, higher yeah. than all those same countries that I mentioned before that are doing better in terms of coronavirus and healthcare in general. Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, Taiwan, uh, England and France uh, have an okay program, but they sp- still don't spend uh, nearly as much as we do. Uh, Japan, um, they they their cultures haven't understood like, yo, we got hella old people in this country. We need to be taking care of them. They are quote unquote older countries than the United States. Now, uh, the U.S.'s fucking baby boomer population that's, you know, all getting old and getting sick at the same time. There's there's not much that we can do. The system is not built to handle that kind of load. This has been on the horizon for a minute. And coronavirus was just like, yo, what's yeah. it? Spark and kick y'all off the edge. Man, you are bringing up some really disturbing ideas, man. And uh, I mean, like I said earlier, it's just like it's starting to really expose some of the gaps in in capitalism, you know, in the sense that we don't have a a central and unified response for or or system for a lot of things like healthcare. Like everyone's healthcare situation can be completely different, which means that hella people's healthcare situation could be non-existent. You know what I'm saying? Um, we don't necessarily we don't really have protections for low income workers. You know, it's just like there's there's this idea that everyone is just supposed to hustle, hustle and grind to make yep. it, you know, American and, dream. Yep. And for the most part, you know, I, I think that holds true when there's not a pandemic. <laughs> you know, it's crazy now, like our most important workers outside of healthcare workers are people who have contact with people like i go downstairs to cvs you know i'm chilling man. i'm rolling around in flip-flops every time i go they they have like done something different now i went today and they they, they're making you scan your own groceries now at cvs so they have like a, a a plexiglass separation now and they all wearing uh face masks and and gloves hazmat suits and shit yeah mm -hmm. pretty much you know and Mm -hmm. i'm sure some of these companies you know i know amazon has like increased their wages uh to a certain extent and i'm sure a lot of these companies are offering some of these supposed resources but you know our nation is not prepared to to take care of those workers you know what i'm saying and and at this moment they're basically our most essential workers outside of the healthcare workers. I mean, the people who are delivering groceries, shopping, like doing the actual grocery shopping, the people who are working in, uh, in the grocery stores, any kind of food association, I'd say the, the pharmacies and whatnot. Um, the liquor stores apparently are essential. Uh, they have to be in contact with people, (laughs) you know, and they don't got no like full on PPE, you know, they got, I'm, a lot of them are wearing face masks. A lot of them are wearing gloves, but that's it. Like you could definitely still get the virus. Um, yeah. Um, the other part of this is like I don't. One, I don't think this shit's going away. I think it is going to become endemic, like some of these other uh, viruses that have come around. Like, and, and the thing people don't realize is the flu isn't just one virus. It's a bunch of different viruses. Some of them previously have been past quote unquote coronaviruses. This is, I think, the seventh novel strain of what is determined as a coronavirus um but these shits come up all the time um even though like we kind of laugh at how people kind of panicked over swine flu and shit like that people still get swine flu like they just don't die of it they 
and it mm-hmm. doesn't take over the world. But I mean, just like the regular flu, people get that shit. Um, I think this is going to eventually get to a point where hopefully herd immunity takes over. But I'm not about to live in no futuristic society where everybody is wearing masks and shit. Like we, what what society? What is society going to look like in ten years, five years, even not even you know a hundred years or anything like that? Where like we're mm-hmm. super worried about you know, a virus and people are wearing masks in their cars and shit. And I'm like, yo, yeah. that's not how viruses work. Like there, there are some barriers to this interaction. Like you can't just be, yeah. oh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy up all this PPE and wear my gloves and touch everything. But then also with the same gloves where I touched everything, touch everything else. And right. if, if I did pick up the coronavirus, I infected, infected everybody. But I yeah. do agree that because there's so much unknown, I mean, we gotta, we, we've got to do something. And people feel better from that theater of doing something like, you know, airport security. Like TSA isn't necessarily not stopping bombs, but also a lot of that shit is for show. <laughs> let's let's be real. Well, you know, I think uh, this is a good segue into talking about the media and the media's effects on our anxiety. Uh, I just want to say, man, I got a hot take. Um, okay. I also just want to forewarn our listeners to please don't drag me. It's like my greatest fear yeah. ever is to, is to be dragged. Drag him. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I fear being dragged, especially on Twitter, man. But no, I don't want to say that I understand the president and his feelings about the media and, and his infatuation with fake news. But this pandemic has helped me understand how really media can affect us and the way we think that is completely removed from the facts you know i'm thinking like right around when all this stuff started like maybe march 14th a couple days earlier cnn was playing on the television how the governor of ohio was saying that there could be a hundred thousand people infected with the coronavirus i'm just like why are you saying this you know and okay perhaps maybe there's some scientific reasoning for that but people haven't even been exposed to social distancing yet like at that point people weren't we hadn't established lockdowns or shelter in place you know i'm just like why are you saying this like if 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 people don't know how this virus spreads if people don't know to what extent it kills people why are you saying you know the governor he he has to be reckoned with but why is cnn now playing this over and over there could be a hundred thousand people in the state of ohio with coronavirus you know i'm just like but, you know, the, the, the media has persisted. Uh, they keep banging on the president. And again, I'm not siding with the president, Twitter. Don't drag me. But they keep banging on the president for calling the Chinese virus, the Wuhan flu or whatever he says. And it's like, look, first of all, we, we know exactly what the type of person the president is by now. So for you to be mad at this is probably more to do with you. You know, not you, Herschel, but the media than it does to do with the president. <laughs> but damn, Tim, but it's like my ballot. but you know it's like the media is like i see now that anxiety and clicks like people have to be anxious in order to have a relationship with the media and the media is just you know especially now when the only thing that they have to report is the coronavirus the pandemic i can see because i can see the difference between reality and the media I can see the difference between when I go outside and I see hella people walking. There still be hella people walking, running, walking their dogs and stuff. A lot of people are wearing masks now, but 
I go outside. I got to go for a walk every now and then, man. I be going kind of crazy. But, you know, I, I'm like, all right, well, that, this is one thing that I see. Then I go on uh, you, these these websites, the CDC.com. I get this uh, report from Time every day that I think is pretty level-headed. And I'm just like, man, I don't know. You guys are kind of going out, 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 of, out of place, you know, uh, the, the media sources and, and their way of reporting this. And I don't know. I, I just fear for people who fall into the grip of anxiety that the media produces, you know? I, want, <clears throat> I 100% agree. Um, I mean, I think we have known this for a long time. And I mean, yes, Trump has highlighted this about the media, but also he benefits from it. So, like, it's kind of difficult to I mean, it's impossible to agree with him. But um, yeah, man, they're they're a fucking business. They're an entity that's like, yo, we need to tell you some shit and tell you it in a way where you come back to us for more later. Like you need your blood needs to be pumping so that like you you are stimulated by this news we're gonna hit you with the flash and the the beautiful people telling you shit and you know it's no longer just information that we need like we don't need to yeah. know that somebody got shot at the fucking waffle house at 2 a.m on a <laughs> thursday like do, do we really need to know that oh i need to know because i need to know if my waffle house is safe. bro you know whether or not your waffle house is safe like it's waffle house it's not safe but that's the news that's the local news my parents watch hella local news i hate it yeah. but um that has Kind of, and I think the Daily Show and um, last week tonight, and a few other shows have actually been harping on this for a while. But these conglomerates have been taken over by like one or two larger production companies, and they're just like, "Yo, we need the viewership, we need eyeballs." And again, you know, this is the same population we've been talking about that's uh, susceptible to COVID. Uh, is these like 50, 60, 70? 80 year old boomers who are like, yo, I've been watching TV for 40 years. I'm not about to not mm. watch TV. What are, you, what are you talking about? Good point. What do you, what do you mean? I've, I've trusted this my whole life. There's no reason for me not to. But the, I mean, the change was gradual and, you know, they have trusted news sources like these. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's similar to cigarette companies where like they try to get you addicted young and, and stay with it. And mm. I think the U.S. probably needs to do I mean, it's kind of fucked up and it's not going to happen because we're built on freedom of speech and media and fucking journalism and shit like that. But the way the United States, uh, I think it was the 80s or 90s or some shit, U.S. government sued the tobacco industry. They were like, Yo, y'all lied about what the fuck you were saying about how good or bad cigarettes were for your body. Y'all lie. Y'all straight up lie. Y'all put commercials out. Y'all are killing mm-hmm. people. People are dying because of this. They People, I mean... In this sense, Trump is right where like motherfuckers need to look into the media. Like there's a there's a problem here. I yeah. wish the simple solution would be like, yo, people just, you know, we we I I guess the idea is teach our youth to seek out more than just one source. Like they need to know, like, yo, look yeah. around. Don't don't be tunnel vision on some shit. But we as humans, you know, most of the time are not gonna look for that second, third source. Most yeah. people, like on average, are not, you know, like us, I guess, but yeah, it is what it is. Like there, you you've got to, we've got to find a way, um, or, you know, we don't. <laughs> so, oh god, hey man, listen, man, listen, you've had, I'm, go ahead, you've had like this weird pessimistic undertone in the whole discussion, man. What's good, bro? 
Bro, I hate coronavirus so much. I hate how people are responding to it. I hate a lot of the misinformation that's come out from from sources I used to trust. Um, yeah. I saw some shit the other day on CNN who I, who I used to trust. I probably, I, I don't go there all the time, but I know you enjoy some CNN news, some PBS news, some shit like that. Um, <laughs> you call me a CNN junkie, bro? Bro, I don't know. I don't know, man. But I, I think you also staying informed on what's being said is important. But I saw on their website, Sanjay Gupta was like, yo, you need to be wiping down your groceries and shit. And I was like, I mean, maybe. But also, like, is that yeah. the best use of our time here? Like, what's what's happening? Yeah. Like, yes, we should limit our interaction with people. But it's, this this virus can survive on surfaces, surfaces for a little while. But this man is out here wiping down fucking cardboard boxes and, and cans of vegetables where, like, we're, yeah. you're not ingesting that. And you probably aren't going to ingest all of it right then immediately. You should already, of course, wash your your produce and your vegetables and your fruit and shit like that before you eat it. But mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing bringing bleach and other, like, disinfectant cleaners near your food? Um, and that was on CNN. But at Man. the same time, I get that people are people are concerned. They're trying to give any kind of information to, you know, lessen panic. But uh, I myself, I mean, I just try to try to think further on that. Uh, I'm not telling people not to watch wash their groceries, but I can also tell you it's not about to stop coronavirus. Like either you got it on your hands <laughs> or you didn't at that point. Like this I is know, not. Right? It's it. You know, we we should really start to think about this. I mean, it's too soon because, again, we're still in the outbreak. That's why I'm pessimistic. I wish we could just be past it. I wish we could be on to the next thing. Um, The way we are about the flu, like, you know, somebody's sick. And, of course, again, corporate America, um, if somebody's sick, they should stay home. But in corporate America, they don't. Like, you you still might come in the office with a sniffle or some shit. But now people are going to be like, no, you don't. Until, you know, 100 years from now, when people are like, um, I still need you for a couple of hours here. And then we got yeah. another stupid shit on our hands, you know. Yeah. But eventually, we're going to have to treat this like we do the flu and avoid others. And Asians ha- or Chinese people have been wearing masks for a little while now mm-hmm. since uh, SARS and the uh, original. Um, uh, there was another disease that that came out of China a while ago where uh, and I think a lot of it also has to do with their pollution in the air. But like mm-hmm. that's a part of their society. And I mean, it might become a part of ours, but there are other things we need to be doing that are more important than gloves and masks. Mm. Oh, you mean like from a systems level as far as our preparation, yeah. um, just the idea that this could happen, you know, which a lot of people. Yeah. Are, sort of been discussing man i was watching this youtube video uh anthony fauci was on 60 minutes in 2005 and i mm-hmm. swear man he said the same exact thing that I, I, he says pretty much every day uh now so it's a uh, crazy times man um okay i i got another random side note man you know, okay. random stuff but i just have to say what a time to be alive right i agree i mean yeah. i look I, I've struggled. I have struggled with isolation. Uh, you know, I, I've struggled with trying to be productive as a PhD student. But I just have to say, man, there, there's so much crazy, interesting stuff in the world. Now, the pandemic is, you know, just incredibly interesting, not necessarily for good reasons. But I mean, yeah. first of all, virology, just our nation has gained like. 50% increase in, in virology in general and in immunology in uh, infectious diseases. I mean, that's not a bad, you know, there's, there's a tiny silver lining there. I mean, I think 
you know, telehealth. You know, I, I'm so amazed at how the transition, at least for mental health providers, was. Mm-hmm. It seemed, I, I haven't done any uh, services on telehealth. Uh, I I did I was doing my practicum in neuropsychology. Can't really transition too well because there's a lot of stimuli that you have to interact with in mm-hmm. person. Although I'm sure there are neuropsychologists who are doing research now to sort of improve things. But to my understanding, the transition to telehealth was seamless. You know, there's yeah. been all types of services, and the United States government has lessened some of these HIPAA restrictions. So. Now people are just pulling up, you know, like, so yeah. what a time to be alive, man. I mean, bro, even beyond that, though, what a time to be alive in that society was just enough, just well enough prepared to survive some shit like this. Can you imagine 10, 20 years ago before Skype and Zoom and, you know, all these other, you know, Real interactive talk. capabilities were already ready? Like for for businesses beyond healthcare, like or even fucking cell phones, man. What if they couldn't call you to be like, yo, you need to stay home. Like there's a pandemic yeah. going on or, you know, we yeah. don't know what the fuck's happening in China. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a million fucking visitors from China already every year. And it just wiped us out like it has in the past when we've had like a, the eight, 1918 plague. And um, I think there have been a couple of other different big influenza outbreaks. That, I mean, Ebola you know, in Africa. Um, yeah. To, to a certain extent, I feel like the United States will handle that so much better because of the surveillance capacities. But yeah, but also, the you know, the technologies available to sort of maintain uh, regular life are not as developed there. So it's, it's closer to home than we, you know, yeah. think, thinking about like the 1918 uh, pandemic, whatever. It's shit's just a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, that's the lesson. One of the lessons of this podcast, you know, stay ready. You don't have to get ready. So. <laughs> I mean. Most def. Don't act like RTBTH didn't teach you something, goddamn. <laughs> All right, yo, Herschel, man, I want to share some uh, statistics with you. Okay. Uh, going back to the mental health talk, man, you know, um, this this uh, website, or sorry, Gallup.com, uh, a polling organization, and a robust polling organization. I mean, we can trust their results because they're, they've been in the game for several years, I think, decades maybe. I don't know. But anyway. So they report that in the United States, people are reporting that they can continue following social distance guidelines for as long as necessary before they their physical health suffers. Sixty eight percent of respondents said that fifty four percent said that they can continue sustaining social distancing before they experience significant financial hardship. And 48 percent say that they can do so before experiencing significant mental health hardship. Uh, So it seems like our nation is um, starting to deal with the mental health implications of COVID-19. A little bit more statistics here. People who responded to the survey say 15 percent said that they are already suffering significant mental health issues while only 6% said physical health or physical yeah physical health and 9% said financial health it, it seems like mental health might be probably you know aside from people who are actually suffering from respiratory illness who are on ventilators uh the the sort of widespread ramifications nationwide ramifications at least on this Gallup poll, suggests that mental health might be the most important 
uh, setback right now. I mean, I would 100% agree with that. Um, this is really interesting to think about some of the other health outcomes due to not only COVID the disease, but also quarantine. Um, and I mentioned, like I, I was sitting in on a meeting earlier this weekend, these different states were presenting um, regarding like what they, what uh, health outcomes they were following, some of them being domestic abuse, child abuse, and how their current syndromic surveillance systems were impacted and picking things up. Uh, yeah. My team personally, uh, our drug overdose uh, surveillance systems, our drug overdose visits are way the fuck down. Um, part of that, you know, and that's a positive, obviously. Um, part yeah. of that is that, you know, we feel that, uh, you know, drug use when you're overdosing, you know, uh, big parties, opiates, um, methamphetamine, stimulants, shit like that. Um, people are not congregating or they can't go to the club and do some shit or, you know, whatever. So the uh, emergency department numbers are down. Um, I'm not sure if deaths are down yet. I don't think there's been enough time for us to gather that data, but um, it's interesting to see. And I I was curious if um, you felt like, or, or if you had any thoughts on, you know, how people who are already in, you know, pressure cooker, uh, life situations uh, have been thrown into it, especially kids who, you know, people who might have been in college uh, or in high school or middle school, or elementary school, whatever the fuck school. Um, yeah. And now they're going home to, uh, you know, toxic homes. Um, a lot of the drug overdoses we see are the, they, they give super sad narratives of like, oh, man, you know, this person was suicidal because this, that, this. But um, I was curious if you thought, mm-hmm. you know, there would be an uptick in that. Oh, man. Uh, so I, I want a uh, good question because I've been thinking about this and unfortunately I got to be pessimistic. But actually a student of mine, um, I guess not all undergraduates are useless, but she wrote in a paper, uh, a response paper that I assigned. She said straight up, I feel like suicides are going to go up. It's going to be like she kind of alluded to a suicide pandemic, basically. I don't like to suggest that you know personally as a mental health professional it's it's really disconcerting you know anything in our field like you know we kind of tolerate a lot but suicide is like just completely intolerable man you know people get hospitalized um for suicidal ideations you know uh, i mean a lot of this is self-preservation that that i see like as a society uh, yeah. when we when we react this way whether it's covid or you know a suicide attempt or something like that i i see overwhelming response and it almost reminds me of like the human body the way all right so we're on quarantine and shit now right so if, if you were to imagine the earth as a human body if you were you the human body were to catch the flu you might get a fever and try to like expel out uh you know all the toxins and and bad shit or whatever but also yeah. a fever is really bad for the rest of your body like if you're at a high temperature for a long time your other um systems start to break down I think that same thing is happening here in America. And we're, we're, as this quarantine goes on, we're seeing more of that pressure cooker of, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. suicides or, you know, other, other outcomes. Basically. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. It's like that stuff is going to be delayed specifically because, you know, our mental health doesn't react in a sort of like linear process as it, as sort of, you know, an infection would. You know, you get infected, the viruses grow, you either expel the viruses and you fight. Or you die, <laughs> you know. I hate to say it like that, but like we, I mean, there's a pretty kind of uh, a general process 
um, and you know, l- let me know what you think from the infectious disease perspective. But mm-hmm. with me- with mental health, we we don't know what the breaking point is going to be for some people. Uh, we don't know what the effect of stress and anxiety is going to be. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's even you can even go down to a genetic level. If someone experiences a certain amount of stress, it could maybe start to uh, uh, impact the way that their body responds. You know, um, their stress hormones can increase. That can affect various part, various organs. Isolation. You know, um, if you want to do your research, if you want to do your Googles, I don't think that you could say depression and and suicide or go hand in hand i don't think that you can say that there's a direct relationship but there is an aspect of isolation and loneliness and um sort of reduced social connection um and also like i guess lower lows of stimulation of actually you know stimulating experiences that relate with suicide you know as these things decrease as social relationships decrease as isolation increases as loneliness increases as negative perspectives and beliefs about the self increase you know these things correlate with suicide um it's hard for me to believe because you know i look at myself and you know i'm not some i'm not kind of like some kind of i'm not a perfect human okay but i do have confidence in my mental health and I've struggled, you know. So if if there are people who are who are on a, more of a shaky surface with regard to the mental health, these conditions are not good. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a little pessimistic, man. I just can't see how we can come out of this without having some obviously identifiable patterns, you know. And this is where the epidemiology comes in. This is what you probably will have to contend with, but. We're going to have to be able to track the levels of, of, of suicide. And actually, you brought up something that is so crucial about self-preservation. For a lot of people, self-preservation is suicide. Suicide is self-preservation because they can't deal with the psychological turmoil anymore. They have to preserve their psychological state. And unfortunately for some people, that is suicide. Um yeah man it's uh it's kind of bleak man in my opinion yo to take it to a brighter topic all right well, um, thank you yo so uh one of our uh good friends friend of the podcast amber uh dr amber who is an ob gynecologist OBGYN uh here in atlanta has actually given me some information that uh there is probably most most likely going to be a baby boom in about eight, nine months from this quarantine. Uh-oh. Because, you know, yes, there are people who are like mad isolated and stuff, but a lot of people are isolated together. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of these couples, man, you know, you know, they might not Uh-oh. be walking around the neighborhood, but they they're getting a workout in. If you know what Herschel. I'm saying, man, you know, Herschel, you talking about yourself, bro. You're <laughs> not talking me. about yourself. <laughs> not me, bro. No kids. Yeah. Ain't going to be no young Herschel's coming out. Not, Younger Herschel the not fifth. Not anytime soon, dog. Got to get this uh, doctor at first, and then, right, you know, then. we will see. All well, right, we then. at least got to start it. We, we at least got to start it. You know. What you know what? Honestly, but, that 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 is the silver lining. Uh, I've, I've thought about a couple silver linings, man. Um, it's hard to they're they're hard to come by, but with like pollution, that's one of them. I think. You know, uh, mm-hmm. there could be some some positive changes with regard to the global warming situation, but yeah, I didn't think about babies, man. I mean, babies always make everything better right yeah. well sometimes they do 
sometimes. <laughs> that is not true, bro. <laughs> you should definitely know in mental health. You, I'm sure there have been some people who are like, yeah, we tried to get this anchor baby going, <laughs> see if that would solve our problems. Hell nah. Well, this was exactly. divorced in two years. Nah, it's a wrap. But in general, um, like like the world in general is better off with ba- babies, right? I don't, I don't know, man. Some people could say <laughs> that, uh, you know, all these damn babies uh, from that last baby boom is the reason we got this fucking pandemic right now. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is. Yeah. Okay. Boomers. Yeah. Uh huh. Into fucking up the planet, man. I mean, first they they fucked up the uh, environment, the economy, healthcare, (laughs) and then suddenly you know virus come to take them out. You know, maybe I might be. You sounded like a like a Gen Z man. You know, Gen Z hates baby boomers. There was there was nothing that anybody could do about this. This is one of those fucking unpredictable like I mean predictable like the shit's gonna happen. Like earthquakes, we 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 know that earthquakes are gonna happen, but the, you know, your job doesn't have an earthquake plan just in case some shit happens and it falls into the yeah. earth. But you still yeah. gotta get paid. Like this is one of those it's just an event. It's a world event. Um and once right. again, what a time to be alive to be a part of a world event. We got to see the yeah. first black president, we got to see the fucking end of the world. Damn. We got to see everything, dog. This is yo, man. What a time. First of all, actually, actually, yo, okay. Hey, we got to do this real quick, man. I got to give it up. We got to give it up, but I got to give it up specifically to you, Herschel. Happy birthday. Um, as of April. <laughs> April 3rd? Yeah, your birthday yes. is April 3rd. Happy birthday, man. There's a whole lot of, I don't know if this is the proper term, dead birthdays, man. Because of the coronavirus. Don't say that. I don't think you should say damn birthdays. <laughs> okay, well, I, I don't know. A, a lot of lost birthdays. All right. Quarantine like, birthdays, bro. Quar- okay, quarantine birthdays. But, <laughs> but yo, I just got to give it up to to uh, people in our, like, you know, 90s babies, people who are turning 30-ish around now. I mean, we've been through a lot, man. We've been through freaking... The World Trade Center. We've been through yeah. the financial crisis, and and yeah, every obviously everyone session, older yeah. than us has been through this. But we've been through this shit in our formative years, you know. Yeah. Um. And now we're going through the coronavirus, man. So I just got to say, man, all of y'all Gen uh, uh, Gen Wires, millennials, man, keep holding it down. I guess. Yep. I keep remember a time things. before Google with my old ass. <laughs> that was. Quite a time crazy ago, out man. here, man. Uh, okay, Herschel, man, let me ask you a question. Um, so we've been talking about the mental health ramifications. We've also talked about like economic stress. Do you think that, you know, some argue, some have argued, probably some of these red state governors have argued that social distancing is going to hurt us way more than the the coronavirus, you know? Um. Well, did you have more? I mean, just the general kind of uh, response to the pandemic. So we have social distancing, but we also have this uh, um, like these economic reparations, basically. Um, I would almost say I would would agree with that. Some people are arguing that down the line, we're going to suffer some significant inflation when we got a two point two trillion dollar stimulus package. You oh know, hell yeah! And, and unemployment is go, going wild right now. So, um, and all of this is because of social distancing. So, do you feel as if maybe in a in a world in a weird bizarro world, we shouldn't have done the social distancing? Um, 
again, to go back to being pessimistic myself, yes, uh, I do think that, yeah, we've kind of set ourselves into a position where we almost can't recover in uh, how we bankrupted our country. Yeah, man, honestly, uh, it is really callous to kind of think about it like this, but I've heard multiple people be like, yo, maybe we should have continued uh, working and, and allowing people to live and make their money um, so that they could at least survive something rather than put their entire lives in jeopardy versus the risk yeah. of potentially dying from this, especially when the populations are, I mean, it's not the majority of people, but it is a very large population, people, you know, 60 plus, particularly people with respiratory diseases that are mm -hmm. um, getting killed. That's still a very large population. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the better gamble is. Um, the pol the political, the best political thing is keep everybody alive, right? But yeah, if you just if you tank the economy, are you keeping everybody alive? Like, there's there are gonna be repercussions. Um, I think every day about like different businesses that I used to frequent and stuff that are just not gonna exist. Like, imagine yeah, you know, a year or two years, three years from now, like, are you gonna go to, go to a concert where people are shoulder to shoulder breathing on everybody? Hell yeah! Fuck, I mean, sure. yes, but also fun, like, I'm not I agree. But are, are the is the venue gonna allow you to do it, or are they gonna be concerned that you catch coronavirus from them and then yeah. you decide to sue? Like, they, yeah. you know, Ooh, there are damn. all the all these people who like ha make their money based off of crowds. Not only just like we've seen it with um, these talk show hosts, these TV show hosts. Like I mentioned last week tonight and Daily Show earlier, they're doing their shit from home now. Um, them should be whack, like, man. Yeah, a little I, bit. I watch them last still, week tonight but, is cool, but but the the whole home it's video. It's not the same. I don't. I 100 percent agree. But you you also kind of see. You know, to, to tangent real quick, you also kind of see who's funny and who's not. Like, who's actually oh, good at the shit, who's making moves. That's real. And then, that's real. like, yeah, this man John Oliver is a fucking professional. A lot of other people, mm, laugh tracks, um, yeah, we'll see. But those jobs will stay. But, like, rappers and shit who make most of their money not off the albums and shit like that because of terrible deals, but because of people coming to the shows, who's coming to the shows? Like, yes, we say that to ourselves now, but, like... It's got to be the venue it's got, that, that allows it. All, all these restaurants that can't survive being closed for a couple of months. Yes, some, many restaurants are open and stuff, but a lot of them are not or, or have like a skeleton crew to where there's only five or six people working. All them other people, all the waiters, bottle girls, it's a wrap. Fucking strip club, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, damn, it, damn, that, damn. Type, that part of society might be over. Like we might see a whole new wave of... You know, I mean, we're already seeing it with new waves of creative businesses and how people are taking conference calls and shit to the next level. I saw somebody playing a fucking trivia game uh, in a conference uh, just a, a few minutes ago earlier today. Yeah. But so I mean, so it's about to be different. Let me ask you something from an infectious disease perspective. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to, like, put all the burden on you to explain it. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that uh, you still have a lot to a long way to go in your training and also i know you you rely on the experts even as a budding expert yourself but um so i think the the issue is that if we don't do social distancing the healthcare ramifications will be literally insurmountable and yeah is that actually what would have happened like would we would we have just had this like non-stop emergency uh, respiratory illnesses where people had to be in the hospital on ventilators and respirators and whatnot like is or is it just 
is it just going to be what's happening? Like, we, we still have a lot of deaths. I mean, at this point, I think we're at like 32,000, 35,000, something like that. Like, it, it's still happening, you know? It, it would be more than this. It would be significantly more than this. And the thing is, uh, it's about load. Like, our healthcare systems, our hospitals, particularly like the rural ones and shit, or, or the ones who are not in super huge cities, like even suburban hospitals will get would have gotten overwhelmed by this if fucking 100, 100 more people in their jurisdiction went to the hospital in that same one, two, three days, that that's very significant. And, you you know, you multiply that by however many hospitals there are. But uh, so, for example, Grady has 440 something. They might be over 500 cases of coronavirus right now. That's 500 beds or 500 areas because they're not even just doing beds. They're doing wherever they can put these people. Well, but but the, all, not all those cases are going to be hospitalized. The ones in the hospital are counted as hospitalized, but like imagine. Oh, oh, okay, okay. You said great. You did say Grady. Okay, like just yeah. In general, Grady has five hundred coronavirus cases yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. So okay. similar to the flu, like where a lot of people get it and get better, like or you get a cold and you get it and you get better. This is is sending more people than they've anticipated to the hospital, and it's killing people quickly. Like they go to the hospital, and then before people figure out what's going on, um, it's causing um i think they're i don't know if they're blood vessels or what but something is uh erupting in the in your lungs and you're you're not able to breathe and then you die um it happens very quickly that's that's where a lot of this panic is coming from like if you're in care like i'm not saying you shouldn't die in hospital care but like that's what's been scaring these people um and you know it hasn't been seen before uh, and because people don't know what is when you're contagious, who's contagious. I heard about the other day uh, a friend of mine, and this was like some six degrees of separation shit. I don't know anybody yeah. directly myself, but my dad has worked with people. My friends have had friends whose wife's cousins, uh, young person wife died, and they, uh, her and her husband both had it. He didn't have any symptoms. She had symptoms, and then the next morning they were like, "Yeah, she she died," type shit. Wow. But. Uh, that's the fear. That's where it's like, yeah, you can't just, you know, resign. You can't write off a, a million people dying. And and so to get more stats on it, like I've heard numbers of uh, about 8% of the population will at least get this, um, not necessarily die. And I think in the, tar- not target demographic, the high risk uh, community uh, or, or, or population, it's like 30% of these older adults with respiratory diseases. 30% is yeah. a huge percent. But even at that 8%, that you know, imagine there are 300 million Americans. There, there's 330, maybe 340 million Americans right now. If we make it easy, 300 million. 8% of 300 million is 24 million people. Well, wait, 8% are going to get it. Yeah, but even, okay, so yes, yes, I didn't finish. 8% are, will will get it and I personally believe everybody's going to get it eventually. It's it's going to be one of those. Like we just kind of pass it around, just like the flu. It just it just yeah. kind of happens. You you avoid it. You try to get your flu shots. Yeah. You do what you can, but like you know, eventually the shit might come around. But if thirty percent of or I'm sorry, the, those statistics are gonna are kind of poor because I can't like show you on a graph of like uh, breakdowns between different age groups. But yeah, we do graphs. RTBTH. Statistical bro, I like analysis. Visuals. Young oh, yeah. visuals out here. Um, bro, I, I built this beautiful fucking code the other day. I got to tell you about off the podcast. But anyway. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, man. It's, it boils down to a large number of people, no matter what the percentage is. Um, and we can all think of people in our lives who we don't want to die. So, 
you know, for politicians to just be like, nah, we're not going to shut this down. Like at a point they had to come to Trump and be like, bro, listen, this is this is it. You don't you don't have a choice. Like mm-hmm. this is like you can fuck with the media all you want. Like these these motherfuckers right here are going to die. You probably are going to die. if You don't shut the shit down. And he was like, you know what I mean? I guess I don't have a choice. And and also have, seeing other prominent countries do it is a big yeah. warning sign. Um, we probably could have gotten ahead of this if China had been more forthright. But I mean, they're they're communists. What, how much can we really ask from them? Like we we need to be realistic. But they did put all of us in in danger. But Italy, some of these other countries that didn't do shit. England actually kind of fumbled the ball a little bit. But their healthcare system is a bit more robust than ours. They're not gonna. Mm-hmm. You know, the world is not going to end. Their economies are going to be trash. All of our economies are going to be trash, which is probably another kind of silver lining in this because inflation is about to go crazy everywhere. We all, again, are kind of living the same financial pandemic. So, I mean, it sucks. There's, there's not really a getting out of it. Like I said before, health, fucking wealth and education. Like we we have to get bread so that we can pass on our own knowledge and keep it moving and succeed. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it becomes it's becoming very cutthroat, um, or it hasn't overtly yet. But like the shit is around the corner. Where like mm-hmm. you know you you need to make sure you and yours succeed. We we should have the mentality where everybody is capable of succeeding, but America just don't run like that. Yeah. That's where my pessimism comes in. Comes in. Man, that that's so unfortunate because in some ways yeah you got to kind of look out for yourself and your family and you know for me like i i I feel so fortunate man like i have a a a good place to live you know i i have a car i haven't been driving but if i need to go somewhere i can drive as opposed to using public transportation you know like are you still getting paid do you still get uh, an income from the school yeah like three days after this shit really popped off they were like everyone's pay is guaranteed you know i was like no one like yeah. it, it, they kind of almost like we're trying to like reaffirm us like you're getting paid you know um yeah. and so far everything is set for the summer you know i was already supposed to be funded through next year so presumably those funds don't i mean it would be kind of weird if, if the schools just got rid of their phd students uh so i i feel pretty confident, man and talk about job security bro you got like the ultimate job security man yep so, but the thing and is, the, like, I, I was going to say, the thing is that in order to overcome, we have to work together. But yes. all of the s- systems in place from a capitalistic perspective, but also from, like, social distancing, we have to work separately and be very individualistic, which I just can't see is going to work out in the end, man. Like, our nation is really going to have to step it up from a social perspective in the sense that we're going to have to have more social systems in place to support our citizens. Bro, I made this joke in our um, group chat, uh, but we were talking about China and like the, the uh, neo-industrial revolution they've been going through and how this pandemic has like basically put a stop to that and put their government yeah. uh, kind of behind the eight ball and where their, their people I mean, even though the government still controls all the media that these people are seeing, like, I got to imagine at some point the people are going to be like, yo, what the fuck is up? Like, you're going to need to start providing some human rights. America is going to have to do the same, where it's like, yo, we need these basic rights here. We need we need health. We need if it ends up being a base income because 
so many people are unemployed and stay unemployed because what yeah. jobs are going to hire them back when you don't need more waiters, more than two waiters because your business isn't bringing in th- that many uh, customers or everything is to go orders or, you know, gas stations are closing down because fewer people are driving. Mechanic shops are closed, closing down because cars aren't breaking down. Like all kind of the trickle down effect of halting the economy. It's a wrap. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, I guess another to kind of segue, another thing that I think is going to be up next is going to be base income. But Damn. I don't know how we get to that. I don't you know. And, and I personally don't want to like we're going to have to struggle to get through this. And I don't want to struggle. I want to I want to flourish. You know, I want to excel. Yeah. I want me and all my niggas to excel. So Indeed. that's where I say, like, we need health. We need wealth and we need education. Indeed. Man, uh, you know, I, I hope that we, we do excel, man. Like I said, I feel fortunate, you know, I, I don't have a job that requires me to be in front of people. Uh, the pay has been secure so far. I don't, you know, if I need to travel, I have a car, but uh, I can't I can't say. I mean, I know for a fact a, a lot of people don't have um, the, you know, aren't quite as fortunate. Um, but. With regard to health, wealth, and education, um, I think one thing that I absolutely have to address is health inequity, wealth inequity, and education mm-hmm. inequity. I mean, yep. the reports are rampant at this point. Uh, the Surgeon General has commented on it. Fauci has commented on it. But the people who are suffering the most from a from an illness and death perspective are people who are low-income Unfortunately, in our country, income correlates heavily with race. So a lot of um, minority races are suffering significantly because of the pandemic and the social isolation issues, the economic issues. Um, So that's like another layer and level of pessimism. Um, I just got to say, man, side note, Bernie Sanders is sounding real nice right about now, man. Yeah, because yeah, all of all of these things that he has been preaching, if they had been in place, I'm not saying it would have uh, saved us, but it probably would have been a, a nice little cushion where we can actually turn off the nation for a couple months without sig- suffering significant economic issues down the line. But yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure pu- the public health um, discipline is, is heavily involved with measuring health disparities um i'm I'm curious man what what do you think we're our future is looking like as far as how this is impacting disenfranchised people in communities um we're gonna be real fucked up um like you mentioned man minorities uh across the board are pretty much gonna get devastated uh people without any kind of wealth uh who tend to be the people whose jobs are most affected here. These, you know, CEOs and people with office jobs, people, you know, like ourselves who, you know, are capable of working from home are going to be quote unquote fine for the most part. But, you know, if you go to a lot of liquor stores right now, there's going to be a lot more homeless people or just alcoholic looking people that are just kind of lingering around because they don't have anywhere else to be. They don't have anywhere else to go. They might have had a job before, but like, you know, shit is left right now. Um, yeah. man, I, I want to say something real quick. There's mm-hmm. a um, they don't have bodegas here in Boston, but there's mm-hmm. a bodega esque type j- spot down the street from me. 
Mm-hmm. And I went in there, man. They they had like maybe two guys. Like one of them was an owner or a mm-hmm. manager. And they always had like one or two guys that were like working, just cooking. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't see them anymore. First of all, this bodega is like one of the few places that's, that's open. Um, I mean, everywhere is open, but open there you can walk in and like order something. You mm-hmm. know, I gotta leave, but I'm just like, where did these? And I was like, before I, I was like, all right, these people look like they may have been homeless before they got this job, and now they're really just like, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, call anyone out or talk shit, but it, it felt like, you know, uh, uh, by the way, that bodega is right next to a homeless shelter. Um, there's a, 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 a pretty large building. I'll have to get the name for you. One side is for men and the other side is for women. So there is a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people who appear to me to be recovering from addiction, homeless people who were kind of wandering around because that's where the shelter is. So it, it seemed to me like they hired some homeless people, people who are struggling and now when I go, I only see the manager, one person, because he can technically handle everything. He can mm-hmm. do all the cooking. He handles all the orders. Like, And I'm just like, damn, where are they? Where are they right now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it's really sad. Uh, we're going to see, I mean, very soon, like, there are going to be even more people who just kind of hit the wall where like, okay, the rent, your rent company might have granted you a month here and there or, but you got your stimulus package now so i expect my money like people are gonna start getting even more frantic like that's i think that's the biggest thing about you know we keep hearing about uh, financial anxiety and shit it's not some like even coronavirus has been relatively quick compared to financial anxiety which will linger for i mean p- potentially people's whole lives if they're working paycheck to paycheck and trying to just figure their life out um but again, you know, I don't know that I know any uh, countries that do a full base income. I think there have been some trial runs in Canada in a few small towns, even in America, I think yeah. a couple of places. But yeah. um, some of the other countries that I've mentioned, uh, Germany has education paid for. They don't they don't have student loans and, and nobody pays for college. And, you know, they're I, yeah. I imagine like the schools vary in terms of how uh, of the academic standing um, similar to America. But. You know, they don't have that problem. We've got a lot of people who aren't equipped to do anything besides maybe work in a bodega if they didn't get the chances when they were younger and, you know, the education that they might have needed or just, you know, just enough focus to mm-hmm. or, or uh, attention from teachers. So I, I think we're also going to see and you mentioned like the positive of, you know, telehealth care blowing up. Teleeducation is about to be like every single class ever is is going to be 100 percent. Not necessarily 100%, but like there, there are going to be classes where people used to say, oh, no, I don't want to do online because it's more work for the teacher or, you know, they don't know how to do this shit. Everything is going to have online components. Everything is going to be like, yo, if you don't, if you are sick or if you cannot come to school, we got you still. Like we're, they're, they're going to yeah. figure that shit out. So, oh my I mean, gosh, those are all the reforms right there. I am not feeling it, man. I got a couple hot takes, man. First of all, look, if the government wants to send me some money, I'll gladly take it. I am still trying to decide how I want to blow my stimulus. No, I'm kidding. Um, um, I'm going to buy a laptop. Ooh, okay. I, don't, I actually don't w- just want to save it and spend it on travel when all this shit lifts so I can go visit my friends. Where you want to um, go? Atlanta? Goddamn. Oh, turn up. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but, yes. but I will say, man, look, 
like I said, I will take all the free money, but I, I just don't see how it's sustainable, man. I do not see how it's sustainable to just be handing out cash, particularly in our uh, society, in a, in a capitalistic society. Um, unless you want to start taking cash away from the people who have it, the people who are millionaires and billionaires, and yeah, but they were no longer a capitalistic society if you start taking money from people. So yeah, I mean, that's I, those are taxes. That's part part of socialism. Like we already tax everybody. We just don't tax the rich people. So yes, it would be taking money from them to fund even more of the shit that is already funded. And yes, rich people pay a lot of taxes already that help us survive. Like we wouldn't be able to do it. We wouldn't be able to pay for roads and education and all the shit that we already do. But a lot of that shit is already shitty. So, <laughs> I mean, we kind of need more. The real problem yeah. is like we our government is also greedy. And lobbyists and shit like that are always going to be like, yo, I, I need my cut first. Oh, I need you to use my company or use the scientific process or, or I trademarked, trademarked this particular process that y'all can only use. Um, and all kinds of just basically capitalism that hold us up. Like we're about to see in the next five years, China is about to be like, oh, word, we got fucked up by coronavirus. Who, me? Nah. And they're going to they're going to fucking try their government. Hopefully is going to try to. Uh, buff up and be like, yo, we are going to give people base income. We're going to figure out how to keep our large ass population around. Or they're going to yeah. fail. They're, they're either going to flourish or they're going to fucking burn. But I think they're too big. Man. I think there's too many billion people over there for it to to truly collapse in a well, meaningful fashion. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't, I don't think China will collapse, but I will say this. I, will I mean, say Soviet this. Union collapsed. But they were, it, was, it wasn't, they it was were communist. Cold War. Yeah, but it was a, there was a Cold War also, and and they were just like overextending themselves mili from a militaristic perspective. They were trying to hang with the United States, and they couldn't because the United States prioritizes military spending and military power above everything else. You know, I digress. I'm not trying to <laughs> <laughs> turn this into talk that talk. Yes, politics. <laughs> but um, my other hot take is, bro, look, I do not fuck with any of this zoom socializing zoom classes are fine teaching mm -hmm. on i actually use microsoft teams but teaching like as of the instructor has been just fine for me <laughs> people talking about they want to have zoom happy hours and shit i am not with it i zoom Bro, you, people are trying to socialize man we're oh basically doing that now you and me talking like we're no we're recording we're a podcast socializing. we're I mean, spitting game to the streets it could be both it could be, okay, i'm yeah. having fun Nigga, we, bro we we socialize every day we text like is when, when we see each other in in atlanta or wherever we socialize and we reconnect like it's not it's not a, a thing for us it's, it's not really crossing any boundaries for us whether it's online or in person because our friendship has extended so many years but if you're talking about oh you you just met some people at work and y'all want to go do happy hour social hour whatever on on <laughs> Zoom I, I'm not with it man I'm not with it I feel you and also All my work I, go ahead I, I'm more I'm fi I'm fine with the personal but when you talk about you want to have like a group you want to do like a like a fucking uh, a DJ battle man I, I just I don't I can't man it's too much shit on Netflix bro I'm sorry. I feel you. Uh, I most definitely watched the DJ battle between Lil Jon and uh, T-Pain. It was incredibly entertaining, but I understand. <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from where, like, there's something missing. Like, just like the uh, those talk shows, the the night nighttime talk shows and shit, there's something missing. It's You need some kind of interaction and almost a call and response. 
that just is missing from Zoom. But I mean, again, we're going to I mean, we adapted to Skype and AOL instant messenger and shit and like what is now Zoom and all these other things that, you know, old people didn't used to know how to do. But now they've figured it out. But like kids that are young now are going to be like, oh, yeah, this Zoom shit. It's nothing. We (laughs) everything for them is going to be virtual and right normal, you know. Bro, well, look, I'm officially becoming the old head because I'm going to be that person who's going to be like, look, I'm good. I'm going to try and interact with people in person as much as possible. I'm going to be the person who's like, oh, today doesn't want to adapt to the technology. Well, I guess not because <laughs> I like to see people. I like to hug people. I like to give people handshakes and shit, man. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a psychologist in training. My whole entire life, I have been infatuated by humanity and it's just it's not going to work for me to experience humanity over the over a screen. You know, I've been getting into this artificial intelligence deep learning stuff and I have a heuristic for you. Maybe heuristic isn't the best word, but the the thing that people have to understand the most about building machine learning models is that the model is only a representation of the data and real yes. world um generalization is only a representation is not is not the real thing and that is the same that is the truth for all of this technology that we're using to commit to uh uh, socialize uh it's a representation of socializing you know at least socializing like we like we knew it before in person so i you know i'm not itching you know i can i can still hang you know i'm i'm a bit introverted in general so i can still ride you know in, in the isolation but if we're going to get to a point where we're permanently doing happy hour on Zoom, then, you know, I might just have to check out. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. <laughs> no, Yo, I will say you. <laughs> I'm not talking about that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so to to uh, talk about other ways I've been socializing, bro, my Call of Duty game is nice these days. Oh, which one I, do you got, man? I, I've been thinking about getting I one. ended up having to get the new one, man. I got the fucking Modern Warfare. I started out playing Warzone, which was free. Um, and I hate I hate Battle Royale. I've gotten better at it because it was the only thing I could fucking play. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'll play FIFA and Madden and shit like that and other like, yeah. you know, miscellaneous video games. But COD? <laughs> and like, it's been four or five yeah. years since I got into a COD, but I was like, you know what? Yeah. Did, Maybe did they got double that jump time. in that one? Did they got the double jump? Nah. You talking about uh, where you can run on walls and shit? Not necessarily running on walls, man. I like, I like, like, things that are a little bit more removed from the actual like you know from reality. real life gun gun yeah. yeah like black ops 3 was great yeah, you want to you want to play a whole halo or a fucking yeah uh advanced exactly. warfare cod advanced I, I do too i do too but also i mean this this scratches the shooter itch i'll say like it's not perfect i mean yeah what the I've been, I've been it's, it's virtual for, just like you said yeah i've been looking for another fps but nothing is out right now that i that i really like you know like I wanted to fuck with that Doom, but it's it's one player and then the multiplayer is like yeah. half AI. So yeah, uh, I don't know, man. There's there's a Predator game that's coming out. They they released like a free beta for like a day or two, where basically like you have a squad of four and then you have one person playing as the Predator, and the four people have to. Have you seen Predator? Have you seen the movie? First and foremost, the I first haven't one. Seen any of them, bruh. Oh, all right. Uh, quarantine watch list, bro. You need to watch Predator. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, fucking Bill Duke, fucking um, 
Jesse Ventura, governor of Wisconsin, governor of somewhere. Two governors are in that fucking movie. Um, what? There were governors yeah. back then? No, I'm talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. Oh, uh, Montana. Oh, shit. They became governors, governors after. Yeah. A, a whole bunch of other superstar fucking action movie type dudes. And it's it's a dope, like, uh, I mean, old school fucking action movie. Like, they don't pull punches. Yeah. They lean into it. Um, I definitely say uh, find that one. Don't watch the new shits. Okay. Don't, don't watch any of the recent shit, The Predator, nothing like that. Old fucking Predator. Watch that shit. All um, right, man. Right, but to, I digress. There was a game that they came out with where basically like you're you have a squad and you have the predator and you run around and it, and it was social. But like I don't know, man, it wasn't a great shooter either. I was, it was called Predator for you. It's yeah, the video okay. game, yeah, okay, and All the movie right, also. I mean, it's unfortunate because I like it, pretty much everything pales in comparison to, to COD. You know, yeah. like you start if you really start doing your research, like it, it probably. You probably end up getting COD anyway. I mean, I haven't tried any of these. Um, I forget what they're called. Uh, like about Battlefield. Not nah, Fortnite, like the Fortnite gameplay. Oh, Fortnite. Mm-hmm. What's that gameplay where it's like Battle Royale? Yeah, I've never. I haven't tried any of those. Mm-hmm. So th- some of those might be straight, but. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, man. Sorry, RTBTH listeners. We're gonna get back to the realness. <laughs> um, actually, no. I think we can wrap it up. But I do want to ask you something, Herschel. Okay. Have you been having more dreams lately? Hmm. I had hella dream. Oh, bro. Uh, can I tell you about my dream last night? Indeed, man. All so- right. So I've had this dream before. I've had um, essentially a recurring dream, I guess, where like I'm late for school or like I forgot. To- it's a school dream. You know, everybody has some stupid ass school dream. Hell yeah. This one is particularly like a high school shit. I- I'm 30 now. Like, why the fuck am I still having high school dreams? But um, because high school goddamn traumatized all of us. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but I missed this assignment and then I was going to class and I could I can never find the fucking classroom. Eventually, I find the classroom and I walk <clears> in <throat> and the shit's empty. And I'm like, oh, yeah, coronavirus. Everybody's at home. Why the <laughs> fuck would there be anybody here? And I'm like, it, but I'm still panicked because I don't have my assignment or whatever. And then I look down and I'm, I lost my bag. And so I have to like search back through and fucking. It's it's nonsensical, but eventually I find the fucking bag. Don't go back to the classroom. Um, nothing looks the same as as what it actually would be in reality. It's all you know, awkward and loopy dream dream type shit. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm having yeah, I'm dreaming. Is that Indeed. is that common? <laughs> well, I have a theory. Um, okay, but I feel I'm definitely like, sleeping more. I'm definitely like well, yeah, um, but. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into the Freudian analysis of human behavior, but there is an idea that there's a subconscious, right, that we are not privy to, but which still directs a lot of our behavior and our perception of reality. Um, and I feel as if like, well, first of all, I've been having more dreams, but that could also be like a factor of the uh, vaping that I've been doing. Nice, but. nice. <laughs> But anyway, um, but it's like Yo, shout out to weed during this pandemic that has been holding it down for everybody. Um, everybody needs to legalize. This is some bullshit. Oh, that's that real. That's real to like people need that- some coping mechanisms here. If, if the liquor store could be open, yo, we need to be having some fucking. Yeah, um, that would be interesting. Like a nationwide, like temporary legalization. 
know? Yo, here's some drugs to deal with the stress of us tanking and bankrupting the economy. Take, take some weed. Here you go. Exactly. Yo, a weed stimulus package? If everybody hey. just got an ounce? Let's get it. Yo, this pie, yo, real talk beyond the headlines. Let's go. RTBTH. <laughs> RTBTH is hereby sponsored by weed. But actually, uh, there, there's a, a, a company led by, um, oh man, an NBA player or ex NBA player. It's called Viola. And they're based in, I want to say Colorado, but they their whole like um, marketing packaging is just like really dope. It's a cannabis company. So we're hereby officially sponsored by Viola. Um, but nah, so I was saying though, Al Harrington, he played for the, for the Hawks, didn't he? Uh, Former maybe, NBA player. Know. Anyway, yeah. but we are, we are, we don't have as much stimulation, right? We don't have as much perception of the things in the world. We're not getting into our car and having to sort of navigate the streets, navigate Google Maps. You know, we're not having to walk into an elevator and and go into the office and and see hella people. So it's like our the necessity for perceiving the world has diminished, which allows the complex subconscious material to sort of peep its head into our conscious world part of that you know like i said we don't have to get too deep into the freudian analysis because because that was deep I, as fuck <laughs> I, I, it was great the shit was great continue please <laughs> yeah 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 okay but like i said because we don't have this sort of daily stimulation from our senses and we have to combine these senses into to form a reality right you know you could call that the ego the self you know your ability to, to perceive yourself is a factor of all of these senses because we're not perceiving in order to perceive the world at the complex level that we do as humans, we have to have a very strong sense of self, but because we're not receiving all of these complex perceptual stimuli and we're, and we're also in a, in, in, in an environment where we can pretty much like we've memorized it perfectly by now, you know, before social distancing, but now like your home, you've memorized your home. So you're not having to perceive the world as intensely as before. So the subconscious material starts to peep its head and hence the dreams. That could all just be bullshit. But whoa, that's <laughs> fascinating. So all right, all right. So if I were to I mean, we're kind of doing this, but like, let's say you're a hermit in a fucking cave somewhere and you just stay there for, I don't know, 10 years or however long. Would you? One, essentially dream more. And two, what would your dream, would you, would you dream about shit that's not on that island or on that, in yeah. that cave? Like, I'm, I'm not dreaming, dreaming about my house. Yeah. Is well, that, I mean. Is that I, what you're saying? First of all, I, I don't, like, I, I, I can only speak for myself. I feel like I've been having more dreams. I don't know if this is true. But, again, you know, it's just the, the fact that you're not having to sort of, like, be so down to earth, you know. You, like I said, if you go drive. You have to be very, very solid in your ability to perceive what's around you. You know, we don't have mm-hmm. to do that. So with regard to like being on an island or a cave or whatever, you know, I think I don't know. I mean, I think you probably have to deal more so with like the 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 isolation, you know, in, in mm. that situation. You don't even have the the connection through Zoom, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I would also say uh, your subconscious material is is dependent on how you interact with people. So, you know, you might just I mean, I would say that it's more likely you just your 
subconscious and conscious just kind of like dissolves into insanity at that in that situation you know or i mean maybe not not actual insanity but like you probably have to do a lot of like weird psychological you know mental gymnastics in order to kind of persevere in that kind of environment so yo have you ever seen castaway yeah i was just thinking of that film okay that's that was what you were describing i was like wow that's yeah yeah, but I mean, but I don't know, man. Is that based on a true story? Because he came out pretty well adjusted. Nah. After I mean, I don't okay. know. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I personally think. Well, I don't know. I guess a person could survive if they have the right tools. But also, if he was out in the sun all day, sun poison, he he wouldn't come back so well adjusted. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Let's yeah. find out if it's Castaways a true story. Yeah. Nope. Castaway was not based on a real life story. There are many <laughs> stories in history that are similar. So fucking myths yeah. and Hercules on the island. I don't know if that's the story, but you know, shit like that. Right, right. Well, this is real talk beyond the headlines. Uh, yes, sir. I do want to say one last thing. I want to go back to the issue of health equity. Um, just want to make a quick shout out. Uh, I saw this on the PBS NewsHour Pretty much, I watch that shit every day by now. Even on the weekends, man. I be watching PBS News Hour on the weekends, man. PBS News Hour keeps it super straight, super <laughs> super level. Um, shout out to Yamish Alcinder. She's the one that had a, a, a little back and forth with the president. But hey, man, she comes she comes hard in the paint. She doesn't really let shit slide, man. I gotta give it up to her. I gotta also give it up to Judy Woodruff, man. She's a host. She's like. 85 and just host that shit every day but holding uh, it down yeah but on the pbs news hour they had a segment with a woman named uche blackstock um and she has a website called advancing health equity uh they say that they focus on healthcare uh and healthcare providers to help them care for a diverse patient population and they support how healthcare organizations can support a diverse workforce. Um, advancing health equity is their primary mission. So, even though you know some of these circumstances are very bleak, it's good to see that there are organizations who have uh, thought about these important questions. Um, and I'm pretty sure that um, Dr. Blackstock has had this organization long before the coronavirus um she is a black woman she is educated with the ba from harvard university educated with the md from harvard medical school uh so shout out to the black women leaders um who are doing big things right now she's at nyu um in emergency medicine but you know it's just one of those silver linings man her organization is, is based in advancing health equity looking out for the minority populations that are disenfranchised before and after before during and after the coronavirus nice silver lining uh i still do think that hella people are gonna yo oh, tuna are you trying to stop. get hired by her by this lady man you this was a great this is a great plug for her man uh, but appreciate the salute man i i, I uh <laughs> always love to salute our uh, black doctors and people excelling during yeah i mean tough times yeah, no, I mean, I'm just thinking, it's just like, you know, it, it's crazy that, first of all, the, the the thing is that these health disparities, like, I've, I've read papers, right? These health disparities have been endemic 
to our nation. Every single like per, so it's it's not it's not surprising. I hate to say it, but uh, African Americans are riddled with hypertension to a greater extent than other uh, ethnicities. Hypertension is a risk factor for coronavirus. You know, so these things have been long researched, and people like Dr. Uche Blackstock has dedicated a part of their professional work to address them. So it's like it's, it's it's kind of twofold in the sense that I appreciate the work she's doing, but we've known this for years, for centuries probably, and we're still suffering the ramifications. Not us, meaning me, like you know, but the nation in general, and then us, meaning me, black people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel you, man. Yo, I think this was a good talk. This was cool. Most definitely, man. This is Real Talk Beyond the Headlines. Any closing remarks, Herschel? Nah, man. Get this bread. Stay healthy. <laughs> stay mo- moving. And fucking teach yourself something on this quarantine. Education, man. That's real. Those are my three things. Education. What, health, wealth, education. Stay up. Oh, this yeah. is RTBTH. Peace. Peace.